All right. Good morning, Redemption family. It's good to see you. So we, I kind of threw out this challenge. We're, we're trying to get used to saying those words, saying redemption. And I said, okay, let's see who the, who the first one is to slip up and say friendship. And Jake already blew it into the first service. He called himself, first syllable, friend, mm, redemption. So getting used to that, excited about that. Uh, just to give you a heads up, we're going to be celebrating the Lord's Supper at the conclusion of our service. So we'll give some instruction about that uh, as we get to that. Uh, we are in week nine of this series, 10 Words to Live By. This has been kind of a challenging uh, series as we've looked deeper into the 10 words or the 10 commandments in Exodus 20. Uh, maybe it's been harder than you imagined it would be. It certainly has been for me. Uh, the, you know, outward obedience to the law and to God's word is, is challenging enough, but what the words call us to is, is deeper than that. It's inward obedience of the heart, so that's much more challenging. Uh, it's easy to kind of conform to outward things, but to have your heart in line with his word is, is another thing. And so this is what the 10 words call us to, this deeper, more expansive obedience. Today, we are in word number eight. It is another very brief four-word statement. The, the, the eighth word is, you shall not steal. You shall not steal. And again, at face value, this is it's pretty simple. I think for most of us, we're like, well, you know, unless you're a hardened criminal, you're probably like, okay, I got this. This is maybe teaching for children. They, you learn this in Sunday school, but, you know, I'm not a thief, Right. Uh, well, we know this is a little bit more challenging than, than just that, but I'm, I'm sure most of you, if not every one of you, you may remember a story of the first time you stole something. Uh, I'm gonna, I did it in the first service, I think the first time, public confession. I remember my first theft. I was probably three or four years old, um, and I swiped a pack of stickers. I like, took them and left, and I was, I was old enough to know, like, that wasn't right. I shouldn't have done that, but... Uh, I was happy that I had stickers in my pocket, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I remember that. I don't know if you have a story. Maybe it's similar to that. Maybe it's, maybe it's uh, more, you know, it's a darker story. Whatever you stole, I don't know what it is. But, um, you know, like the other words, the other commandments, this one is more challenging. It's more complicated. Um, but, so I want, you, I want to start with this. There's a, a word picture that I have in mind, and I want to kind of start us here. I want you to think with me about the human journey. The human journey, like, you know, a, a child comes into the world and is a sweet, cuddly, you know, chubby, cute little baby, and they're sweet, and they start to grow, and it's, it's really fun to watch them grow and develop, and they, when, especially when they begin to smile and show emotion, and they can, they, they recognize you and recognize your voice, and they're all cute, and then they become toddlers, and they begin to play with others. What is, what is one of the first big lessons you have to teach a young toddler when they start playing with others? Teach them to share, right? Share, share. Because really from an early age, we start taking things that you know, aren't ours or that, that don't belong to us. And we declare with all that's within us, mine, right? This is mine, whether it belongs to you or not. And this is, you know, thankfully, like we grow out of that as we get older, right? Mm, not really, Right? We, we grow up and we continue to, to take and we continue to grab for things. They're just different things in more subtle ways. We grab for money and we grab for position and we grab, we reach for to take uh, popularity and success or m maybe it's, you know, the perfectly manicured selfie or profile picture or public appearance, whatever it is, pleasure, you name it. We continue to, to reach for things and to grab for things. And we're born takers and we grew up and we keep taking and taking and taking. 
And, you know, back to this, this picture of a, of, a, of a toddler sharing, you know, when we, when we correct, and, you know, maybe if you're a parent when you have toddlers and you're trying to correct them and instruct them to share, well, the, the thing that we're trying to do here is at the, the earliest possible opportunity, what we're trying to do in the life of a child is to root out of them greed and selfishness and this, I, this possessiveness, this entitlement that they have, right? Because, you know, as an adult, as a grown person, we look at that in another, we look at it in a child, we look at it in another person, another human being, and we go, man, that's disgusting. That, that reeks to us, right? But we forget, or we maybe are short-sighted, we don't think about our God in heaven, our heavenly, our good, gracious heavenly Father, who I would say spends the entirety of our lives trying to root out of us those very same things, greed and selfishness and entitlement. And it, it all reeks to him. And so his, his desire is to root that, that out of us, which leads us to this eighth word, word number eight, you shall not steal. So the sermon today is called honor property, honor property. So don't take people's stuff, right? Easy enough. But as you know, it's, it's, it's more difficult than that. So I want to invite you, if you have your Bible, or even if you don't, stand with me. We're going to read from Exodus chapter 20. We're going to read the first eight words from verses 1 through 15. This is God's word. It is truth. It is life. We get to know what God is like and what he's all about by his revealed word to us. And so we're going to read the word of the Lord together. Here's what he says in Exodus chapter 20. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. Word number eight, you shall not steal. This is the word of the Lord. And so, Lord, thank you this morning for your revealed truth that you reveal yourself to us. You reveal uh, our sinful condition before you. And yet, God, you reveal to us your grace and your mercy and your love that is available to us. And so, Lord, this morning, we just want to say thank you that we can um, hold your word in our hands, that we can look upon it with our eyes, we can treasure it in our hearts, and we can base our lives on the foundation of your word. And so, God, I pray that you would speak to us. I pray that you would help us to do just that this morning as we consider this next word. Um, God, I pray that you would root out of us all those things, God, that don't glorify you, that don't honor you, that don't love our neighbor. Um, but God, help us to embrace, help us to embrace your calling, what you've called us to. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray that you would convict us where necessary, bring us to repentance if we need that. 
Um, God, would you encourage us in ways around your grace and around your truth? Um, God, help us to, like as we've sung, help us to give all of ourselves to you this morning. And we just ask that you would do a work in us that only you could do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all for standing with me. Why don't you go ahead and have a seat? So, word number eight, you shall not steal, Exodus 20, verse 15. I'm going to start with, again, like I've been doing uh, most of these weeks, I'm going to start with a a, a big idea that we're going to kind of build around. In this eighth word, we are called uh, to share, not steal. We are called to share, not steal. So when when I think of the opposite of of one who takes, uh, one who steals or takes away, I think of the opposite of that as one who gives back or gives to. But this word picture, I, I, I started there, I'm going to keep coming back to this. This word picture of a child sharing is just, has been stuck in, in my head. Uh, because sharing for us feels like a childhood term. It's something you teach kids, yet it may be one of the most powerfully uh, mature and biblical terms that we just rarely ever talk about. Uh, so we're going to talk about sharing a little bit this morning. And I don't want to spend much time on, on the surface level. Right, because there's some things that we all know, whether you have been going to church all of your life or this is your first time stepping into a church, there's, there's some things that we all know when it comes to this idea of stealing and taking what doesn't belong to us. We all know that every culture uh, on earth really has some kind of laws against stealing, against taking what belongs to, to others. Uh, we know that this, this right to ownership Owning private property, this is uh, an important ideal in a civilized society. We understand that, the importance of that. We know that this eighth word deals with honesty and integrity and respect, respecting other people or respecting other people's stuff or possessions. Uh, we know that to steal is, is to not love your neighbor as yourself. Right? We, we understand that. So all these things we understand whether we know the Bible or whether we know God or not. Uh, general revelation, like our consciences bear witness to this, that these things are wrong. You know, when I was a three-year-old stealing stickers, you know, nobody was preaching a message to me about not stealing. But man, I knew in my heart that that, that was wrong to do. So we know all of these things. So I don't want to spend a lot of time on the surface level. What I want to do this morning is speak a little bit more directly to those who would call themselves a follower of Christ, those who are Christians. Uh, And I want to break down one single verse in the Bible, Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 28. Ephesians 4, 28. We'll get there in a second. But I want to give us some context so we understand exactly what Paul is saying in Ephesians 4, 28. So the, the book of Ephesians, an incredibly rich book, six, six chapters. It's a letter to, written from Paul, the Apostle Paul, to the New Testament church in Ephesus. Six chapters really divided in half. The first three chapters, uh, if, if you've been around here, you know the language. We talk about four questions. Uh, the first three chapters, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, speak to or answer the first three questions. Who is God? What has he done? In light of who he is and what he's done, who am I? What is my identity in Christ? So chapters 1, 2, and 3, it's all about who God is, what he's done, who I am now as a result of what Christ has done. Chapters 4, 5, and 6, the second half of, of, of the book of Ephesians, is all about question 4, which is what do I do? How do I now live in light of who God is, what he has done, who he has made me to be? Now how do I live in obedience to that? So 
uh, chapter 4 is where we land. Let me give you an example. As you start out chapter 4, the second half of this book, Paul starts by saying this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So he says, now that this is who you are, now that Christ has redeemed you, this is how you are to walk. Uh, you drop down to Ephesians 4, verse 17, as he kind of continues. He says, uh, Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. You know what he's saying? He's saying, okay, you are a new creature. You are a new creation in Christ. He's made you new from the inside out. Now, don't walk like you used to walk. Walk in this new way according to God's ways. So, all of that said, we come to Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 28. He's saying this is the way that we, this is who we were, this is how we are to live now. Ephesians 4, verse number 28, Paul says these words. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. I want to read that one more time. Let the thief no longer steal but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So I want to break down this one verse into kind of two parts, so two big points this morning. Here's the first one. We were once thieves. We were once thieves. Ephesians 4, 28, very first phrase, he says, let the thief no longer steal. You were a thief now you're not, so no longer steal. So what is, what is a thief? Let's talk about that for a second. Well, pretty simple. One who, a thief is one who steals, uh, one who takes what belongs to another. Sometimes it's by stealth, right? It's sneaky. Um, sometimes it's, it's by force, but it's taking, things that are, are taking away things that are, are valuable. And what Paul says here, even in this first phrase, let the thief no longer steal, is he says, this, this was your identity, B.C., before Christ, before you came to Jesus, you were a thief who steals. And some of you would say, well, I don't really have like a, a, a long track record. I, I wasn't, you know, swiping things all the time. But like spiritually, it says you were a thief who, who steals. And this came very natural, and it comes very natural to every single human being. We take after our Father. And I don't mean God our Father. I, I want to take you to to John chapter 8. There's this conversation going on between Jesus and the Pharisees. The Pharisees were the religious people of the day, the religious rulers. They were very prim and proper. They followed the law to the letter. Man, they, were, they did all the things outwardly. And they make this statement to Jesus. They said, we have one father. Our father is, is God. And Jesus, with one of the, the all-time great like, responses, one of the great all-time comeback lines, he says this in John 8. 44. He basically says, no, 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 you're not of God, the Father. He says, you are of your father, the devil. Woo! I'm like, that is, a, that is a big line that he just drops on these people. He says, no, 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 God's not your father. You are, you are of your father, the devil, and you will, uh, your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So Jesus says, mm, 
You are of your father, the devil. He was a murderer and a liar from the beginning. And you take after, you follow right in his footsteps. And then he speaks further into this idea of who, who our father, the devil, is. John 10, 10, a couple chapters later, we see Jesus makes this statement. He says, the thief. He, so he calls Satan, he calls the enemy of God, our enemy, if we are a follower of Jesus, he calls him the thief. He calls him the thief and he says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. So, so, so what he says here is that Satan's sole agenda, his sole purpose is to come to steal and kill and destroy, to tear down, to steal our joy, to steal our, our purity. He comes to, to just wreak havoc. And, you know, it, it, it takes me all of two seconds to, like, pull up social media and begin to, like, scroll through to go, hmm. The thief is having his way in our culture, in our world, in our homes. Uh, he's stealing from us the joy that we can have in Christ, the life that Jesus came to give us. He's come only to steal and to kill and destroy. And then Jesus, he, you know, he contrasts what the enemy does. He says, I came that they may have life. And have it abundantly. In other words, he says, I didn't come to take, I didn't come to steal from you. I came to give you life. I came to give you full, abundant life. And this is not the, the prosperity gospel I'm talking about. He didn't come to make us healthy and wealthy. No, he came to give us life in Christ that is full and overflowing, that is rich and full of joy. And he says, I have come to provide that, but the thief has come to steal and kill and destroy. First Corinthians 6, Paul, he, he, he lays out this list of all kinds of sin and all kinds of sinners, sinners who will not get to enter into heaven. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 through 11. Paul says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Okay, don't be fooled. And he goes through this list. He says, neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, okay, verse 10, thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. So you read that and you go, oh, wow. So if, if, you, if I've done any of those things, I, I don't get to enter into heaven? But y'all, every single one of us is included in that list, right? We, we're all touched by sin. We've all committed sin. And yet, verse 11, the beauty of grace, he says this, And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. What he says is that all of our, our sin, any sin, disqualifies us from inheriting the kingdom of God. We cannot step into the kingdom of God because of our sin. The good news, he says, is, hey, but you've been washed. It is possible for your sins to be cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, to wash you, to justify you, which means to make you right before God, to sanctify you, to help you to grow in holiness. He says, you were this, you were all of these things things, including thieves, but you've been washed, you've been sanctified, you've been justified. Such were some of you. So point number one, the thing that I want us to see is that we were once 
thieves. We were once thieves, but here's the second part of, of Ephesians 4, 28. We are now providers. We are now providers. Ephesians 4, 28. Let's look back at it. He says, let the thief no longer steal. That's who you were, but that's not who you are anymore, so don't steal any longer. But rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. Rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands. So we were thieves, now we labor, we work, we do honest work with our own hands. And, and we could spend a lot of time here. We don't have the time to, but... The Bible says much about this idea of working hard with your hands and providing for yourself, providing for your family and your home. Um, hands in the scripture, uh, it's a picture of our, our outward life and our actions. There's a psalm that talks about having clean hands and a, a pure heart. Those are the ones who will stand before God. It's not saying like literally like, hey, if you, if you make sure you wash your hands three times a day, you might get into heaven, right? Okay, it's not talking about that. It's talking about your outward life, clean hands, and then the inward life, a pure heart. He says those are the ones who will stand before God. And so hands, doing this hard work, honest work with our hands. So there's this picture of, of our outer life being pure. So now that we're washed, now that we're justified, now that we're sanctified, we no longer, we're no longer takers, we're givers. We're givers. We, we share. We are generous with those in need. Ephesians 4, I want to just look at it one more time here. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that, here's the reason that we are to work and to labor, to do honest work with our own hands, so that he may have something to what? To share with anyone in need. So that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So we go from being a taker, a stealer, to a thief, to a giver, to being someone who shares, who works hard in order to share with others. So when I think, again, when I think of this, this picture of a child sharing, like I think back to my childhood and I think of, of, of you know, being in school and, you know, back, back in the day, Back in the old days, my kids would say, you know, like when we actually used textbooks. I don't know if you all remember. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, physical books. I remember those. Before we did everything on a, on a Chromebook or digitally, uh, I remember having a textbook. And if you forgot your textbook or whatever, you left it at home, then some, like a fellow student who would be kind and gracious enough to share their, their, their book with you. And so you'd like scoot up next to them, right? And you kind of share your book together. And it was like... Oh, this is cool, like brotherhood here, we're sharing together. Or maybe you forgot your lunch, you know, and you're trying to find someone who's, who is kind enough to share their little sack lunch with me, right? And so you find someone who will share that with you. And, um, or I remember like playing with other kids and you would get dirty or, you know, um, you, you just, man, make a mess of your clothes and, you know, a friend would share a, a shirt with you. But like a shirt off their back, not literally the shirt off their back, that's probably dirty too, but they would share a shirt out of their drawer, you know what I'm saying? There was something really cool about, um, yeah, somebody let me borrow their shirt, I'm wearing his shirt. And, and so there was this idea of like sharing, um, and, and I, love, I, love the term, I love the term give. It's a biblical word, I love the idea of giving. But when I think of this, this idea of, of sharing, I feel like it takes it to a whole nother level. To share is like next level because maybe you've seen this, maybe you've done this. Giving, you can do at arm's length, right? 
you can you can give you can not be personally connected you can uh, put a check in a box and I'm not discouraging her from doing that all right please do that if you feel God calling you to but we can give at arm's length sharing is something that you do up close sharing is something you do up close to share is to think like what the Bible calls a steward a steward is someone who doesn't have ownership is simply uh, taking care of what has been entrusted to them and so when we, when we share, we think, like, uh, we think like a steward. In other words, what I am sharing doesn't ultimately belong to me. I'm sharing what doesn't ultimately belong to me because I don't know if you've ever faced this thought, but nothing that we own is really, truly ours. It's all, it all belongs to the Lord. It's all come to us by the hand of, of God. And so what we share has first been given to us by God. And this is what I think God calls us to. I think God calls us to not just don't steal, not even just give, although I believe he calls us to give. I believe he calls us to share, which means I'm willing to share my stuff. I'm willing to share my life. I'm willing to share all of me. That's all included. And so I want to ex expand kind of my original idea. I first said that in this eighth word, we're called to share, not steal. I want to expand that and say this, in this eighth word, we're called to sow and to share, not steal. We're called to sow. Sow is a, a biblical word. It's an agricultural word that means to, uh, you know, to scatter seed uh, for the purpose of producing a crop. So the idea is you're scattering seed in order to have life, in order to have growth. So to share, this word is, is to, to sow and to share, to, to, to invest in people for the purpose of seeing life and growth. Now, I want, us to, I want us to think about the gospel here because, you know, it would be so easy to say, hey, don't steal. Uh, be more generous, be more giving, share your stuff. Uh, it's kind of what we do a lot of times in parenting, if we're honest. Like, we're very moralistic in our parenting. And I'm not saying it's bad, but, um, you know, the way we tend to say, say things is, hey, don't do this, it's wrong, it's bad. Do this, it's good, right? We're, it's just moralistic. Have good morals, be a good person, do good things. It would be easy to preach this message and go, don't steal, don't do that, be more generous, be more giving, but what we want to do, if we want to be gospel-centered, is we want to make sure that the gospel is what drives our generosity. The gospel is what drives us to share. And so I want us to think for a moment about the gospel. That if you are a follower of Jesus, I want you to think about the one in which you follow. How Jesus first came to earth and he first shared his life with 12 men. He invested his life in 12 men for three years. He, he lived with them and spent his life with them, and he taught them along the way and invested in them. He sowed the seed of God's word into their, into their lives. And when he got ready to go to the cross, he said, all right, fellas, here's, here's the next step. I'm going away. The Holy Spirit is coming to you, but now you go and do what I've done. I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to go and invest in other men and women. I want you to, to sow the seed of my word, and I want you to sh share your life with these people and make disciples, make followers of Jesus. And then Jesus went to the cross, and he shared with us his, his very life. 
He shared with us something that we could never, ever attain on our own. You know what he shared with us? 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, I call it the great exchange. We won't look at it, but 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says that on the cross, what Jesus did was he exchanged our sin, our sinfulness for his righteousness. He made an exchange. He made a, he made a trade-off. And if you've, ever, if, if you've ever said these words in your life, it's just not fair. It's not fair. You've probably said that before. You've probably thought, this isn't fair. The most unfair transaction that ever occurred in human history or ever will occur was the exchange that Jesus made. Our sin, all of it, past, present, and future for his righteousness. And yet he made this trade so that we could become righteous, so that we could become sons and daughters of God. He shared with us his very own righteousness. He said, let me take from you what, what, you, don't, what you don't want, and let me give you what you need that you could never, ever get. You could never earn, deserve, achieve any other way. Let me give that to you. And he gave us his own righteousness 2 Corinthians 8, verse 9, it says this, one of the most beautiful, powerful verses, I think, in all of Scripture. For you know the grace, here's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, though he had all the riches of heaven, yet for your sake he became poor. Why? So that you, by his poverty, might become rich. He said, I'm going to give away all of my riches. I'm going to exchange that. I'm going to become poor so that you could be rich in Christ, so that you could experience all the blessings of being a child of God. This is the gospel. This is the gospel that ought to motivate what we do, that we have received the generosity, the kindness. We have a Savior who has shared his very life with us. We're going to get to celebrate that in a few minutes that he laid down his life, he allowed his body to be broken, his blood to be spilled so that we could have freedom and forgiveness in life. And because of that, that ought to motivate us to be good stewards of what he's given us. So on a side note, uh, I want us to think about our call to share the gospel, because that's a term we use a lot, right? Share the gospel, share the gospel with somebody. The, to share the gospel is not just a call to tell people something. Like the gospel literally means good news. It is, it is at its core an announcement. We have to declare the good news of who Jesus is and what he has done. But to share the gospel is to do more than just speak a statement to someone. It is to share with them what you have experienced. It is to share the goodness of God with them, like sharing a book or sharing a lunch or sharing the shirt off of your back. It is to share the good news of life. It is to share the hope of the world. This is what it means to share the gospel. It means to share your life alongside of that. And so we were once sinners. Uh, we were once thieves. Now we're providers. We work, we labor, we share. Uh, and if Christ has genuinely touched our lives, then our lives will be marked by generosity. You know, if I, whenever I go somewhere um, and I meet somebody and I talk with somebody, maybe it's somebody just, you know, uh, in the store or somebody that's serving me, and they're just very kind and very generous, uh, I have this kind of default assumption that just like pops into my head. I don't know if you have this or not. I don't think it's always right, but I have this assumption. If somebody's kind and generous, 
maybe even beyond what their job description would require of them, there's this assumption that I have. I go, hmm, they must be a Christian. You know what I'm saying? They must be a follower of Christ because they're so kind and generous. Now, you don't have to know Jesus to be kind and, and generous, but I would say this, that you can't know Christ and not be kind and generous. You can't. I'm going to read you a couple quotes. John Bunyan made this statement. I love this. A Christian man is not is a Christian man is just a man who has the love of Christ within his heart and the riches of Christ in his pocket, and he cannot hold these riches without letting them go to others. John Jonathan Edwards says God has given us two hands, one to receive with and the other to give. We are not cisterns made for hoarding. We are channels made for what? Sharing. We are channels made for sharing. I believe this is what this eighth word calls us to. So how do we live in light of this? Let me give us two questions that you can ponder this morning, throughout this week, really. Two pretty simple questions, simple in, in theory. But if you want to get honest, these can be uh, kind of treacherous, right? Here's the first question. Are there any ways in which I'm stealing in my life? Are there any ways in which you're stealing in your life? Now, in the book, 10 Words to Live By, in this chapter, uh, she gives some good thoughts on all of this, and I think, you know, some of us, we would think about little ways that we steal. Maybe we've stolen time from our employer. Maybe we've stolen, I know, you know, a pen or, you know, those kind of things. We're talking beyond that. Is there, is there anything we're stealing in our life? Maybe it's little things, maybe it's big things. But, but I want to direct it at this. If you're a follower of Christ, is there any way in which you are stealing in your life from the Lord? Is there any way in which you're stealing from the Lord? And you've heard me mention this. I talk about these three T's all the time. Your time, your talent, your treasure. Your time, your talent, your abilities, and your treasure. There, there's this incredible statement uh, that I kind of hate to go to because it's, it's a rough statement. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 here is, here is the question. Will man rob God? Yet God says, you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? God says, in your tithes and contributions. He says, this is the one time where he, I mean, he says, you're, you're stealing from me. You're robbing from me. When you hold back, when you withhold what I've given to you, when you hoard it to yourself and you don't give, he says, you're robbing me. What you have belongs to you because I've given it to you. And when you withhold that, we are robbing from God. Now, this is not a message to say give more uh, because I believe we have a really generous church. I'm so blessed by the generosity uh, of y'all. But I also know that this could speak to maybe somebody in here that's holding back and going, this is mine. This doesn't belong to anybody but me. I earned it. And God says, you're robbing me. I would put that in the category of your treasure. I would put that in the category of your time. I would put that in the category of your abilities. Are you stealing? Are you taking? Are you holding back from God what he has given you? God has given you and, and, and me our very breath and life so that we would give it back to him, so that we would worship him with us. Is there any way in your life in which you are holding back or stealing from him? Here's the second part of this, the second question. Are there any ways in which you are sowing and show? So let me say that one more time sowing and sharing in your life? Are there any ways in which you are sowing 
and sharing in your life. Again, time, talent, treasure. Are you sowing? Are you sharing what God has given you with your time, with your abilities, with your resources? Are there ways in which you're doing that in the church, outside the church, in, in your life? Not just consuming and, and, and taking, but doing good, honest work so that you can share with those who are in need. That's what it instructs us in Ephesians 4.28, in your home, in the church, at work, other areas of your life. Now, I know some of you, your objection might be this, and I, and I totally get this. You know, I don't have much to give. I don't have much time. I'm, I'm really busy. I've got all these things going on in my life. Uh, I don't have much left over to give financially. I'm not very talented. I don't have a lot of abilities to give to the Lord. You'd say, I just, I don't I don't have enough. I don't have much to give. And I want you to take you to a passage. I want, to, I want you to think of, of the widow in Luke chapter 21. Jesus says this. Jesus looked up, saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. We refer to this as the widow's two mites. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live in. The question isn't, how much do you have to give? The question is, what are you doing with what God has entrusted to you? And God, like Jesus, man, blesses this widow who, man, she didn't have much, but she gave what she had. It's, it's like the song we sung earlier, the, the, the alabaster heart, talking about the woman who poured out the alabaster ointment at the feet of Jesus. She gave all that she had. And while the other disciples questioned that her sanity for doing that, Jesus commended her for giving him all that she had. So what are you doing with what you have? Are you sowing and sharing into the lives of others? The, the truth is this. You don't have to have a lot to be generous. You don't have to have a lot to share. I want to end with this verse, and we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. 1 Timothy 6, Paul instructing young Timothy, who's you know, pastoring others, leading you know, a church. He says this, As for the rich in this present age, Timothy, I want you to charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich, not in, in, in finances and resources, but they are to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to what? Share. Ready to share. Thus, storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. He says, I want, you to, I want you to encourage and charge those who are rich. Man, don't set your hope in, in, in worldly riches and physical riches. Set your hope in God and do good. Be rich in good works. Be generous and be ready to share. Because when you do that, man, you get to experience that which is truly, truly life. And so this morning, uh, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. We're going to celebrate this one who has given us everything richly to enjoy. Amen? So why don't you stand with me for a moment here. Jay's going to come up and lead us in the Lord's Supper. Let me pray. God, thank you for 
this morning. Thank you for your goodness and your grace and God, all that you have done for us, all that you have provided for us in Christ. Lord, I pray that you would speak to every single one of us, help us this week to examine our hearts and our lives. Lord, would you reveal to us if there's way, there are ways in which we are robbing from you, that we are holding back from you. God, would you reveal those to us? Would you help us to bring our whole selves to you today and throughout this week? God, help us um, to sow and to share God, the riches of what you've entrusted to us, the gospel, our very lives, help us to be people who, who are givers, who share out of the abundance of what you have so richly blessed us with. And Lord, as we move into this time, as we honor you, as we worship you and celebrate you and all that you have done for us, Lord, may the truth of the gospel be what motivates us today. May the truth of the gospel be what convicts us today. May the truth of the gospel be what sets us free today. Thank you for that great exchange, Jesus, that you saw our deepest need and you didn't hold back. You gave us everything so that we could be free and forgiven. And Lord, I just pray for anybody that might even be in this room today that doesn't know you, that has never confessed faith in you. God, I pray that they would be able to to see who you are clearly today. And that God, you would just draw them to yourself. Pray in Jesus' name.